You are Locked On Sooners, your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the 12th floor in 50-pin place in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, the home of 1340 The Game and News Radio 1000 KTOK, it's another episode of Sunday Sooners here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G., saying thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We're recording this episode on the 9th of September at about 4.31 Central Time, and I don't have any updates on Rodney Anderson. I looked for him. Rodney Anderson's status is still up in the air, and that's how we're going to start today's podcast, is hearing from Lincoln Riley about Rodney Anderson, what the loss of Rodney Anderson means for OU going forward. I'll also tell you in segment number one, why what you saw on Saturday from OU's offense is pretty much what you're going to see now for the rest of the year. We'll talk about the great special teams play, Shane Beamer's impact on the OU football program. And if we don't get to that in segment number one, we'll definitely get to it in segment number two. We'll also hear from Mike Stoops about what he didn't like about his OU defense. And there was one guy I thought for sure people were going to ask questions about in the post-game press conference, but this guy's name never came up, and I know Mike Stoops wasn't just going to volunteer information, so we'll delve into who that person is and maybe why he didn't see the field all that much on Saturday. And then in segment number three, we will hear from your most valuable Sooner. The poll goes out right before the game ends yesterday. You've got 24 hours to vote on it, and there was a clear winner We'll tell you who the clear winner was. We'll hear from that guy, and we'll talk about why Baker Mayfield isn't starting for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, that's there, there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek with that, but we will talk about how much fun the Steelers-Brown rivalry is going to get in these next couple of years. My name's Eric G. I'm the co-host of Saturday Game Day on News Radio 1000 KTOK and 1340 The Game. It airs every Saturday morning at 5 a.m. on KTOK and at 9 o'clock on 1340 The Game and at different times around the state of Oklahoma via the ONN Network. My co-host for that show is Randy Renner. Randy handles all the OSU stuff. I do the OU stuff. We talk about the Big 12, and it's a 30-minute primer to get you ready for the game as we hit the big stories and give our opinions about what's coming up for both Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then the rest of the conference. And because the Lockdown Podcast Network likes me to say things like this, I'm a credential member of the media. I've covered OU now for four and a half years. I'm an OU graduate and a Roughneck alum. And very proud of both of those things. And if you ever meet me, at an OU game or just hanging out at O'Connell's or Louie's or wherever on Campus Corner, feel free to stop by and say hi, and we will talk some OU football like we're going to do now. Another big win for OU yesterday, and by big, we're talking about points margin, 49-21. to OU doesn't cover that 30-point spread, but still, 2-0 on the year. Kyler Murray starting to look like a Heisman candidate, and Rodney Anderson was looking like a Heisman candidate as well until he got hurt yesterday and did not return to the game, came back to the sidelines in a brace. Lincoln Riley was asked about Rodney Anderson after the game and what kind of impact that's not only going to have on the team, but how much will it affect maybe T.J. Pledger's playing time? 
You know, we're lucky. Rodney's a great player, uh, and like I said, we're going to certainly hope for the best, but we've got other good players in there, and, and honestly, you know, play calling wise, uh, you know, design, all that, it's not going to change a whole lot. You know, we've got confidence in the guys that we have there. They all have, you know, dynamic skill sets. They can all run. They can all catch the ball. I've got no issue throwing the ball to any of them. They can all pass protect, and so uh, that's part of the deal at that position. You know, it's a physical position, and you understand that that's part of the game, and, and we've worked hard to build the depth um, and uh, now you know I got a chance to show today. C.D. Lamb seemed to show that he might be pretty good at football today. What does he do for yeah. you when he plays like that? Yeah, I was I was uh, proud of CD. You know, we didn't uh, we didn't start CD. Uh, not really because of anything negative he did. We just thought AD Miller practiced better. Um, and you know, CD and AD both responded. I mean, they both played tremendous. You know, that that X position is really a strength for us right now. You know, two games in, it's you feel like when you take one out that you you know you don't lose anything by putting the other guy in. And uh, so I thought they both made competitive catches. They both blocked well. Uh, obviously, CD had the punt return. We thought he maybe danced a little bit on uh, too much on the ones the previous week. And you know, give the kid credit, man. He took he took that coaching point and he trusted it. Man, he hit that. Punt return it was a thing of beauty so uh yeah i was just proud of the way he responded uh thought he played you know much better and was the type of playmaker that we need him to be if, if uh if rodney's not available moving forward will that change anything about your plans with tj pledger uh, no, I mean, we planned on playing TJ the entire time. You know, he's involved offensively. He's going to be involved on special teams. So he was a guy that, regardless of that, we were always planning on playing. We'll tackle C.D. Lamb and the special teams coming up here in segment number two of Locked On Sooners. But right now, let's stay on Rodney Anderson for a second. First of all, I have faith in Marcellius Sutton, Trey Sermon, and T.J. Pledger when they are called on that they're going to produce for OU. I also know that what we saw yesterday out of UCLA is pretty much what we're going to see the rest of the year from every defense that plays against OU. You're going to throw as many people in the box to stop the run, and then you're going to beg OU to beat you with the pass, which they proved yesterday that they can do when you have big games not only from CeeDee Lamb, but Hollywood Brown had another big game yesterday. Grant, Grant Calcaterra had 26 yards passing. Uh, A.D. Miller got the start, had 25 yards. There's just, there's no, there's no lack of weapons that Kyler Murray has to throw to. And Kyler Murray's a hell of a weapon himself, rushing for 69 yards and being OU's leading rusher. As much as I'm not thrilled about that because I don't want to see the kid get hurt, you can't put him in bubble wrap. You've got to use the weapons that you have around you. And when his instinct is to run, then he is going to run. You've just basically said to OU, when you load up in the box, please beat us with the pass. And that's exactly what OU was going to do week in, week out. You stop the run, they'll throw, they'll throw for a ton. There just isn't any possible defense in this country that can slow down this offense enough where they're not going to make a single game competitive. I don't care how good LSU's defense is. You can tell me all day long about Alabama, and we know how much Nick Saban hates against playing the, against these kind of offenses, these spread offenses. So OU's going to be fine offensively, even without Rodney Anderson. You may not see the production out of the running back position that you did with Rodney Anderson, but these guys... These guys will still come up big, game in, game out. And more importantly, I don't think there's a single team in the Big 12 
that's going to be challenging OU for a Big 12 championship this year. No matter how good West Virginia looks, no matter how good TCU looks right now, I still have major questions about this con this conference. And that's another thing to hold on to. Hold on to that thought because we're going to talk about that coming up in segment number three. Right now, let's get to more Lincoln Riley. Here's Lincoln Riley's opening statements, not only on Rodney Anderson, but overall how we thought OU played in yesterday's win against UCLA. Uh, yeah, really, really good win. You know, really good win. That's, that's a good football team there. And they're, you know, you could see, I think, some of the improvements that they made from week one to week two. You know, I certainly felt that out there on the field. Uh, very proud of our, you know, first our, our defense, the way they played. Uh, offensively, we weren't quite our best, weren't, weren't super sharp. Uh, UCLA was certainly had something to do with that and uh, had some chances to separate a little bit more there in the first half that we couldn't do it. Um, but defensively, I thought we just were really strong the whole day. You know, other than the the uh, third and long that we gave up, you know, the, the post down the middle to the tight end, the rest of the day, I mean, we were, our first defense was really, really good. They were active. Uh, we got some good pressure on the quarterback, which was key. You know, we knew that with the young guy coming in, uh, flying around the football, a lot of guys making plays. Uh, and I did think that we did a better job of tackling. That was a big emphasis for us from last week to this week. So proud of the way we tackled. Um, and then once again, probably the most dominant side of the ball was the special teams. You know, two huge, huge plays, the punt return and kickoff return that gave us momentum, got our team, the crowd, everybody energized. Uh, so we continue to make some strides there, make some big plays. So so proud of that group. Um, and like I said, another just big non-conference win. We, we talked a lot about this game. You know, this is one that you know, you don't get these every year. You know, you get your Big 12 games every year, but you don't get some of these marquee, you know, out-of-conference matchups, teams from different conferences, different parts of the country. Uh, you only get a few of them and uh, throughout your career here, so you want to make the most of them. And, uh, you know, I think we as a team did that today. Uh, you know, injury-wise, we'll, we'll see on Rodney. Don't have anything definitive, um, you know. So uh, we're going to hope for the best, and we'll get some official word on it and see where he's at. On the crowd, I didn't think the crowd was all that great yesterday for OU. I give it about a six total. One, because it was a noon kickoff. OU fans hate early kickoffs. While the crowd may have been more amped than I originally thought they were, there was that air that they knew OU was going to win the game. And this game was never in danger. Even when UCLA led, the, the crowd knew OU was going to respond and eventually take UCLA out of the game because... Without one big play on a third and 17, UCLA's offense wasn't moving the ball all day yesterday. So it was just a matter of time before OU got dominant, and that affects the OU crowd. If the OU crowd doesn't sense a threat, they're not going to be into the game as much. Defensively, OU's defense is incredibly aggressive and much more physical than what we have seen them in quite some time. It's good to have defense back in Norman. Give Mike Stoops and his staff a lot of credit for what they've been able to do in developing these young players and getting them on the field as quickly as they can to wreak the kind of havoc they are. I only expect this defense to get better, and that's even without Q Overton, who had an emergency appendectomy and looks like he's going to be out a couple of weeks. Yes, they're going to miss him, and we'll hear Mike Stoops talk about the defense being a little thin in their rotations coming up here in just a bit, but ultimately, they're still going to be very good. This is going to be a very good defensive team all year long unless you just suffer a rash of injuries or they just forget how to play or somebody figures them out. 
Um, I'm starting to believe in this defense. That's a scary thing. It's a very scary thing because I have not believed in an OU defense in quite some time. But for, for two games now, just as OU fans, we deserve this. We deserve an opportunity to think that the defense is better and might actually be at championship level and the talent on defense may actually be as good as the talent on offense. And then finally, special teams, and we'll talk about them more, but... Shane Beamer's impact is just absolute immense on this team right now. And we'll hear Lincoln Riley talk about that coming in the second segment. And finally, if I haven't mentioned it yet, I need to mention it. Kyler Murray for Heisman. Not just in not just in talk, but this is going to be one of those things that as it builds, it'll gain momentum. And especially if Rodney Anderson doesn't come back, the national media won't have any choice but to talk about Kyler Murray and how great he is, and I know it's just two games, but I'm getting to the point, and I'll throw a hot opinion out there. I'd be very surprised not to see him in New York, and I'd be very surprised to see anyone challenge OU for a Big 12 championship this year because I honestly believe this is the worst that we've seen the conference since it's moved to 10 teams. And we'll talk more about that in segment number three. Coming up in segment number two, what Mike Stoops didn't like about the OU defense on Locked On Sooners. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Sooners. Your daily Oklahoma Sooners podcast. Don't forget you can listen to all the Locked On podcasts via LockedOnSports.com. You can also go to Alexa, Google, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, and subscribe to any of our podcasts. It's local experts' biggest stories. That's the Locked On Podcast Network. And we'll have another episode of Locked On Thunder coming out tomorrow afternoon. And you can hear the current episode of Locked On Thunder at LockedOnThunder.com, where we uh, do a lot of stuff about Mo Cheek since he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend. OU defense again, another fantastic performance and yesterday during his press conference, when you have two performances like that back-to-back, you got to nitpick a little bit and figure out what are the things that maybe the coach isn't liking, what he's seeing, and here's Mike Stoops on things that he feels like his defense needs to correct. What did you not like today, Mike? I, not counting the fourth quarter, but out of your main guys, what did you not like? That third and 17 probably still bothers me as I'm standing here. I'm 
I'm like, why did that? I mean, so that's just you got to coach him better. Uh, that that was a that was a mental error, and uh, we should have had that that covered better. Um, then after that, that was the only play it really kind of got you know aggravated me throughout the, f- the first half maybe even the first three quarters uh, that, that ball they hit down the sideline I thought was a great throw and catch that was another ball that we contested uh, well uh, but that's that's it they had a couple runs but not much uh, the game went probably like we'd probably hoped what was it that you felt like made Kenneth be much more effective, especially early in the game? Kenneth Murray. I, I think probably he wasn't pleased with the way he played last week, and he's put a lot into this out of season and, and being a leader and being a, um, you know, all the disappointment that, that happened a year ago. Uh, I think, you know, he takes it very personal as well, and for him not to get off to a good start, but he, he bounced back and, um, you know, produced today, which was, you know, was good to see. Mike, you talked about, you know, needing playmakers, needing, you know, adding pieces. Where you are now after two games, is this, is this maybe the best you felt about your, your defense, your first team defense? It's the best. I think I feel about the, their personality, their willingness to work, their willingness to be coached and uh, prepare. I think it's a, it's a really good group. I, they're, they're by committee. Uh, I think when we play together, we can be effective. Uh, you know, we don't have any a bunch of guys that just jump out at you, but we, we have 11 guys that are playing together, more together. We're more inclusive uh, as a group, and that, that bodes well for your long-term success. I, I don't think there's, um, you know, any selfishness. Um, everyone talks about the lack of leadership, but we, we just got to, bunch of good guys uh, that are working hard and uh, you know they, they, they come to practice every day and, and, and play hard so that gives us a chance. Just over these first two games have you noticed uh, a, a big difference in just your your defensive line in particular I mean you, you seem to be you know having more tackles for loss it seems to be that guys are being met more forcefully at the line than maybe we're used to seeing. Well I, those guys were all young people they, they, they were as mature as they are now. I think Armani, his development, uh, Neville's a guy that we, you know, has got a lot of talent, and I don't think we've ever seen his his ability, his skill set to 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 where it is. So he's he's finally getting comfortable, and he just needs to relax and do what he can do, not try to do any more, any less. He's a he's a talented player. He got to trust his abilities. I, I think he gets overwhelmed with. All the noise and um, you know just getting in games. He he just got to settle in and do what he does. And I think today it looked like he did that a little more than he did even a week ago. I I, I thought he's he's a much more talented player than what he did a, a week ago. And I I think you'll see him finally starting to to relax and and show his skill set. Um, you know Kenneth Man, Ronnie Perkins. They're you know we got a good group is disappointing we'll probably lose um q didn't play today so how long he's out for uh it just hurts we're we're just getting thin um in in a little bit of our rotations but uh our younger players have to do a better job I, probably the what barry said the most disappointing part of it is just our younger players are 
uh, getting opportunities to play and, and need to, um, you know, they need to come on. Again, they're freshmen. So is Buki. So is Ronnie Perkins. So is Deshaun White. So, is, they, they, you know, that's an expectation. You come, you know, you get an opportunity to play, you better take advantage of it. And I'm probably the most disappointed that our, guys, that our younger guys aren't, you know, I thought it was expecting they'd be a little more developed at this point. But they're all just, you know, they're young and trying to experience it. A lot of those guys went through spring ball, too, which makes a big difference. To disagree with some of my fellow media members, I didn't think UCLA gave up during that game. I know UCLA was trying to establish the run, but coming into that game, they had run the ball 89% of the time against Cincinnati. They ran it a hell of a lot more than they threw it. And I think, one, you had an injury to a quarterback. Chip Kelly's still trying to get the feel of everybody on his team. But, two, with as much pressure as OU was getting on Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a freshman quarterback, you didn't want him getting beat up any more than what he did. So what could you do? You needed to establish offense somehow, and then if you could maybe lull OU to sleep and hit them with a pass, I was okay with that. I was way okay with what UCLA was doing offensively under the circumstances. Now let's talk about special teams and just the impact that Shane Beamer has had on this program. I don't think you can quantify it and put it into words, even though when you talk to Lincoln Riley, he is still going to pump up Jay Bulware. He's going to tell you that Jay Bulware had too much on his plate last year. That Lincoln Riley is going to tell Lincoln Riley is going to tell you that he overworked Jay Bulware, and now bringing in Shane Beamer, that it's taken some off of Jay Bulware and it's freed him up to think a little bit more. And him and Shane Beamer are being are a really good team, and I. I've got no reason to question that. I, I don't think Lincoln Riley is necessarily lying. Although, when you notice a difference this dramatic, it can't be simply because you lighten somebody's workload. Somebody had to come in and have some new ideas. And just by name association alone, Shane Beamer is going to get a ton of credit for from OU fans and from the media for being able to make this turnaround on special teams and make them such a threat. I mean, and think about this for a second. We've talked about how good OU is on defense. We've talked about the offense that you never have to worry about if you're an OU fan. Now you've got special teams. I can't remember the last time OU was a threat in all three phases of the game that the way that they are now. And if you want to start getting excited and talking about national championship, I don't have a problem with that. Right now the, the expectations are getting raised, and only a loss to some team that we don't expect it would tamper those expectations at all. But, hey, I mean, what do you do? And, and I'm, I'm being serious about this now. What do you do to slow down OU? It, it, you can kick away from everyone, but you can't necessarily stop somebody from, from blocking a punt if that happens. You can, you can have a kicker that can make sure that every kick is – out of the end zone, and it's going to be a touchback, but then you've got to worry about OU's offense. And if the defense is having an off day, well, can you slow them down? Can you stop OU enough? Can you get enough stops throughout a game to eventually beat them? I'm not saying that, that somebody couldn't. I just really like the way things have looked in these last two games. Call me a homer if you want, but, but I love the way OU's going. And special teams... 
It's going to continue to be a hot topic around Norman. Here is Lincoln Riley on the special teams. Of course, we all get excited offensively when we make a play or defensively when we make a play. But, man, when you make a special teams play, that's that's your some offensive guys, some defensive guys. It's kind of a collaborative effort. And so there's just something different when you block a punt or you have a big return. It, it To me, it does something in football that, you know, one side of the ball, it's hard, kind of hard for them to do by themselves. So uh, it was big momentum boost. Uh, you know, Trey Browns especially, you know, after you know they had scored to flip the field that quickly and then we got a quick touchdown off of it was was very important so uh yeah i like the way that you know like what we're doing uh you asked about Trey's returner. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been on our radar for it ever since coming out of high school. You know, we knew he was explosive. He's also very strong and can run through tackles. Uh, and we've worked him hard enough that we've gotten the point that we trust his ball skills, both catching the ball and securing it through. So uh, he, he's definitely got some game-breaking ability. And, and, and also, we're you know we're blocking well. I mean, those those returns, it's not like we ran through eight tackles on those returns. I mean, so give the other 10 guys there a lot of credit. It's all clicking right now in Norman for OU, and Lincoln Riley and his staff have to be very happy about the way things are going while continuing to tweak, and I would imagine we will hear tomorrow after looking at the film that they're still not happy and they're still far from a finished product, but hey, after two games, it's hard to be disappointed in what uh, OU has shown us against both UCLA and Florida Atlantic, and Coming up this next week, the big revenge game with Iowa State, and I will tell you why Iowa State prevented OU from having the game of the week in the state. Plus, we'll hear from the most valuable Sooner. We'll tell you who it is, and we'll hear from them next on Locked on Sooners. This is Locked On Sooners, your team every day. We'll be back on Monday with another episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. You can hear all our Locked On Thunder podcasts at LockedOnThunder.com. You can also get those via Google, Alexa, Spotify, and uh, Apple iTunes, which you can get Locked On Sooners as well. And I thank you very much for not only listening to this podcast, but listening to Locked On Thunder as well. OU 2-0 on the year after knocking off UCLA in Gaylord Memorial Stadium yesterday. C.D. Lamb tearing it up, not only on special teams, as we just heard, but obviously offensively. And this is despite the fact that he didn't start and didn't look near as good in practice as A.D. Miller did. But for those of you that wanted C.D. Lamb targeted, he got targeted yesterday and proved why he is such a huge playmaker. Even had an incredible one-handed catch that wasn't a catch. Still, it ought to make a highlight reel somewhere. It ought to be somebody's top 10 play of the week. I don't care that it wasn't necessarily a play and it goes down as an incompletion. It was an incredible show 
of athletic skills. And if you've seen him and Marquise Brown, they've gone out and bought different jerseys. Marquise Brown went out. Uh, what was he? Who was he supporting yesterday? Oh, it was um, Antonio Brown. He was he was wearing an Antonio Brown shirt or jersey from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I think it was last week. I remember if it was. Hollywood or CeeDee Lamb, I think it was Hollywood that was wearing the Fred Bolitnikoff jersey, but uh, Lamb was asked yesterday with the one-handed catcher, you're now going to get an Odell Beckham jersey. He said, eh, probably not. But still, this guy is incredible. Everybody was saying after the game that that is just routine, that you see catches like that from CeeDee Lamb during practice the entire time that he's on the field. Lamb, uh, a little bit more humble about that catch and a host of other things. Nah, I'm gonna be honest, I haven't caught a pass like that, not even in practice. So when it hit my hands and it just stuck there, so I was just like, oh God, I almost caught this. And then when my foot didn't get in bounds, I just tried to influence the referee just to say <laughs> I caught it. Did you think that you were in bounds at first? I mean, yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. I really believed that I was in bounds until I looked at the replay and then I was down by like a centimeter or something. Now that you've done that in the game, are you going to like go try and master it even more to where you get your foot down in practice? I mean, does that become a part of something you work on now? I don't think Coach Riley going to prove of that. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think that's going to happen. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and um, I, I did my best the first time I had the opportunity. Are one-handed catches something you've been able to do? I mean, before in high school or something you've ever worked on before? Is this? Uh, yeah, I, I had the one-handed catch in my arsenal before, but uh, I don't really. I try to secure the catch first. But if I have to have one hand up or if the ball's too high, then I just try to make a play. Today just tough to hear you weren't starting. Uh, not really, because I always have faith in AD or whoever's behind me, and um, I, I believe that he's going to do his job and he's going to do what he has to do. Like, give you a push to know that you know you have to keep keep it going week after week. Uh, no, honestly, I was not hurt or anything by it. I was just I was just um, congratulating my friend. Like, I mean, it's football, it's business. You got to do what you got to do. If you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. Today feel a little dip, little different for you. You make the one-handed catch on the crossing route to start. You have the dive down the side. Line. You just kind of feel like this is your day. Feel like me and Kyler were on another level, honestly. But not just me and Kyler, the whole offense. I like I got to thank the five up up front. They giving him protection to give me the ball, and um, I just felt like I just I was just locked in today. C.D. Lamb, your most valuable suitor this week. If you couldn't tell, I told you at the beginning we'd hear from him, but he got 60% of the vote on our fan poll or our Twitter poll, followed by Kyler Murray. Curtis Bolton, and nobody voted for Mark Jackson. I thought Mark Jackson, with the game that he'd had yesterday, would have definitely got some votes, and Curtis Bolton would have got more, considering just how long OU fans have waited to see defense. But uh, And, hey, the defense last week was voted most valuable Sooner overall. But congratulations to C.D. Lamb, our most valuable Sooner, right here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. Also, is it too early to talk about Baker Mayfield starting for the Cleveland Browns, since Tyrod Taylor threw an interception late in the game where the Browns had a chance to win it. It's too early to go down that road. Probably, but I'll go down that road anyway. Go ahead, start Baker Mayfield. And I cannot wait till Mason Rudolph starts for the Steelers. Then the Browns and the Steelers become really fun to watch. We'll wrap things up today by saying it was another abysmal weekend for the Big 12. Texas had their struggles with Tulsa. They won. Kansas won. Congratulations to them snapping a 46-game winning streak over Central Michigan. 
K-State lost, kind of saw that coming. Iowa State played better than what I thought they would play. And had they been able to win that game in Iowa City, OU-Iowa State is the game of the week in the Big 12 and in the state of Oklahoma. But that will now go to Oklahoma State and Boise State. I still don't know what to make of Boise or excuse me, Oklahoma State or TCU, considering the fact TCU hasn't played anyone, Oklahoma State hasn't played anyone, and they still look like they're getting their bearings under them. I like West Virginia. I just don't know how good Tennessee is. We know that UCLA is not good, but at this point, it looks like it's OU's conference to lose with maybe West Virginia the only challenger that they're going to see this year. I know there's a lot of you that don't like to hear that now, but that's just the way things are going early on in the Big 12. That wraps up today's Locked On Sooners. We will be back tomorrow. By then, we should have a Rodney Anderson update, and we will start getting you ready for the upcoming revenge game with Iowa State. Until tomorrow, everybody love everybody. May God bless you and your family, and peace, love, and boomers. You are Locked On Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.